0: Okay, hello and welcome everyone to the December 2018 Exchange essay chat on expanding your limits by becoming a leader in our profession. I'm Kyle Stapleton, your Director of Communications of the APTA Student Assembly Board of Directors, and we're really in for a good one tonight. So we're joined by Michael Gans, he's a physical therapist at the Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine Centers in Connecticut, and he's also the Connecticut Chapter President of the APTA. So, Mike, thanks for thanks for joining us. Hey, my
1: pleasure. Thank you for uh asking me to be here.
0: It's it's always our pleasure. So, for you know, for the audience members that do not know you as well, could you give a little bit of an intro about yourself?
1: Yeah, um I uh I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh with my DPT in 2006. I moved to Connecticut uh for my wife's job and uh basically started working in outpatient orthopedics immediately after that. Um, I worked for a company um, in like the Hartford area, and became a clinic director within a year of, uh, of being um, a graduate and uh, really decided that being a clinic director wasn't kind of, you know, that was a goal originally and it just didn't really uh, pan out for me. Um, I, I just didn't like it as much as I, I thought I would. Um, ended up moving down to uh, New Haven um, and started working for physical therapy sports medicine centers. And, uh, you know, we've grown from the time I started there nine years ago um, from seven clinics to 20 clinics. Um, and as we've grown, there's been a bigger need for mentorship and uh, just, you know, trying to grow our clinicians. So um, I still treat three days a week in outpatient orthopedics. Um, in addition to that, I do um, clinical education. So I, our mentorship program and um, this past year, we started an orthopedic residency program, and I'm the program director of that. Um, other than that, you know, I did my my orthopedic certification in 2009, so recertification this year, and uh, did my manual therapy fellowship at Regis University um, in 2013.
0: Awesome, yeah. now, it seems like you've been involved in involved in leadership positions very early in your career, so that's really awesome to see, and it's also very promising for the new grads. You know, being able to hear that they can come out. And be leaders in their profession, right, as they come out of school. And I know one thing that you said. I just wanted to make a comment on is mentorship is definitely, you know, a big thing um, for new grads coming out of coming out of PT school. A lot of new grads are opting for for more mentorship in in their new ro- new roles. So I think that's one big thing as you know the profession is moving forward to definitely keep an eye on. So I think that I think that's awesome. Yeah, just for our viewers. So like, whoever's joining tonight, like, shout out your name, your year, and your school. You can put it right in the comments. So you can put. Hashtag DPT student. If you're a DPT student, uh, PTA students, um, and any fresh PTs. That's like if you're within one to three years of graduation. And if anyone else, if you have any, um, if there's any DPTs watching right now, any PTAs, you know, give us a shout out. We'd love to hear from you. So I think that's awesome. And all your questions, you can roll them right through in the comments, and, and we'll line them right up in the queue. So, uh, so it looks like we'll get started with the questions. Sounds good, Mike? Sounds good. Awesome. So Nick wants to know what made you decide that you wanted to get involved in the APTA or kind of how did your journey with the APTA begin?
1: Yeah, you know, as a as a PT student, my professors um, you know, they they just told us from the from day one, they said, you know, you need to be a member, you need to get involved, don't wait. Um, but it's really tough when you're coming out of school and you're just trying to figure out your way in the world and um, trying to to deal with, you know, patient caseloads and documentation and trying to be the best clinician you can be um you know there's not as many free hours in the day as maybe you think there's going to be um so my start was my first boss out of school was an amp fellow and he's he was the one who originally started the connecticut orthopedic manual therapy special interest group um so i immediately was like that's that's where i practice i love manual therapy i want to learn more about this like this is my wheelhouse um So I was a member, I became the secretary of the group, um, and then became a co-chair of the group um, for three years. Um, So that was kind of my entrance into it. And then from there, um, just wanted, you know, you get a little taste of it and I just wanted to do more. So I joined our programming committee after that, which helped set up educational programs in the state and does the uh, annual conference.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great when the, when the, you know, the chapters can develop the the special interest groups, whether it's a student special interest group, or, you know, orthopedic manual therapy one is also very popular, kind of, as you know. So I think, you know, that's a super awesome way to get involved um, coming just out of school. And I know there's one, I don't know if it's in Connecticut, but I know a lot of chapters across the United States have an early career um, special interest group. So that, I think that's a really uh, another good way to get involved once you get out of school. Definitely you can meet people who are kind of feeling the same you know feelings that you have, and you can kind of converse with them and and kind of see where they want to go you know in their careers, which is really cool
1: yeah, actually Connecticut was the first state to have a new professional um, special interest group um, Tara Maroney, um, who's actually a mass mass chapter member now um, started it um, she's a sacred heart grad um, when she graduated worked in in Connecticut she started the group and uh you know I think every state that does it does it a little bit differently, but, you know, it's something that is crucial and it's really needed because, you know, when you're when you're a DPT student, you have your your classmates to rely on to to kind of rally around each other and support each other. And then you get out in the working world and you're the new man, you're the young young person on the totem pole. And, uh, you know, yeah, you don't have that support structure. So the APTA and the new professional SIGs can be that for you.
0: Right. No, that's that's definitely, that's an awesome point. You know, and I think that's really important to bring up because you have all the support from your university when you're still in school. But once you graduate and you're out in the working world and you're, you know, you're looking for a new job and maybe you have one already, but that's where you can really rely on our professional organization because I think they can be really be your backbone as you kind of try to, you know, find new niches and new goals that you want to accomplish. And I think the APTA really helps facilitate that, you know, because they can be that backbone that you have now that you're not as active with your university anymore. So I think that's a really good point to bring up as well. Awesome. And one other student wants to know if you had, you know, just one piece of advice um, that you would give to young professionals, so early career professionals, um, about early career involvement, you know, what would it be and why would you give it to them?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think along the same lines is try to find that niche or that specialty practice within your area, um, you know, the, the special interest group, if there isn't one in your area, um, hey, you can start one. I mean, you know, you, you can always do something to, to try to get outside of that, that box that you're in. Um, and I think, you know, especially for, for me as a young clinician, um, being able to talk to people at other companies and in other places about how they treat and how they do things, you know, you're seeing the same thing day in and day out from your your co um to be able to leave the clinic to see how other people operate and try to get out of your comfort zone is a really great way to do that and uh so whether it's with a special interest group um people who are like-minded who are treating in the same practice area or if it's just you know calling up one of your friends who's in in the same uh you know area and saying hey like our hours are different can i just come shadow you for An afternoon and see what your patient like how you treat patients like you know i i did that when i was a young clinician with with some of my colleagues who you know whether they were in sports or they saw more post-operative shoulders and i wasn't seeing a lot and i wanted to get better at that so um yeah try to get out of your own clinic and engage with other clinicians um, in your area
0: yeah definitely i think you know finding your niche like you said super super important but also kind of getting out of that comfort zone you know obviously, you know, as a new grad, we don't really have a comfort zone just yet. We're kind of testing the waters to kind of see what we feel is, is right for us. We're kind of trying to see what's right, what we can find ourselves doing. But I think kind of putting ourselves out there, like you said, if you have a friend that's really, who's working in neuro right now, and you're more of an orthopedic mindset type of person, and maybe you want to learn a little bit more about the neuro population, you can, you can go and kind of shadow them and kind of get a little bit of a gauge on how those patients are and how that therapist treats those patients. So I think that's also a really good point to really widen your horizons and you know kind of step out of your comfort zone essentially. So I think that's really good advice for new grads, definitely. All right, we're just gonna keep rolling through because we definitely got a we got a good amount here. So one other student wants to know um, so knowing that our professional organization professional organization, the APTA, brings value differently for each individual member. What value do you find that the APTA has brought you uh, specifically and individually?
1: I, I think, uh, you know, we all got into to becoming physical therapists because we want to help people. And, um, you know, first and foremost, we want to help people. And it's exciting to be able to help that person in front of you when they're in pain and to see them succeed or see them be able to take that trip or walk that third flight of stairs that they couldn't do, you know, those are the things that really, you know, are, are, that make me feel passionately about my job. Um, The association allows me to have so many more touch points than just that patient in front of me, right? When we're advocating for, you know, lower co-pays, and we're allowing, you know, hundreds of people to get access to care that maybe couldn't have had that, I mean, how powerful is it to know that, man, there, there are people that, aren't going to be in my clinic that are affected by what I do. So, you know, whether it's advocating in on Capitol Hill, whether it's in your your state, in your own communities for, you know, more bike paths and more ways in, and to exercise in the community, um, you know, doing fall assessments, doing PT Day of Service events. I mean, there's th- th- those are the kind of things that I think for me personally, I feel the value of. I, I, I can just reach a, a much bigger population than just that person in front of me.
0: Right, definitely. And you know, that brings back kind of two, two thoughts for me. So I know the APT, I know the Student Assembly has um, made a kind of, it's kind of a card actually. It says how you can get involved in the profession. And it, it breaks it down very well. It kind of breaks it down by one hour, two hours, three hours, you know, half of a year, full year, kind of breaking down all the leadership um, and all the other positions that you can obtain or whether it's just, like you said, uh, doing like a PT pack event or you know, putting on a PT pub night, things that don't take as much commitment. So I think that's a good resource um, that, that you know, physical therapy students can use as they're going forward. And also you said advocating Capitol Hill. I think that's also very important. And I know the Federal, the federal Advocacy Forum is coming up. I think it's on March 31st to April 2nd this year. I might have to double check on that. Uh, but someone can drop the link in below for the Federal Advocacy Forum. I know it's gonna be a great time. I'm gonna be in DC and I know all the, all the individuals there, all the therapists there, Um, go up to Capitol Hill and really advocate for our profession. So I know, you know, advocacy is a really, really important realm uh, of who we are as physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. Yeah, everyone, and everyone keep the, uh, keep the questions rolling through. Um, We want definitely want to get as many questions uh, from you guys as we can. Um, We'll put them right forward into the queue and uh, Mike and I will talk a little bit about them.
1: It it could be questions about physical therapy. It could be questions about the Steelers Patriots game that, Ended in a very positive manner for me for once in my life. Finally, right?
0: Yeah, Brady. Has, Brady has a pretty good record about them, but he came up short tonight. Uh-huh. Kind of breaks my heart. <laughs> breaks my heart a little bit, but but you know we gotta we gotta spread the wealth. It's okay. It's why am in
1: such a good mood tonight? So yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it. Love him, Mike. Awesome. Um, so let's see. So uh, Kate wants to know: um, Do you have any recommendations for finding local opportunities more kind of at the city town level? Um, we hear a lot about you know national roles, whether it's you know core ambassador, student SIG, which is more of a state state um, lo- role, of course. Also, mm-hmm. student assembly board. Um, but you know, do you have any information about national on local roles? How we can get involved in the local area?
1: Um, so we're talking like local state association or local community local.
0: Both, both, both definitely. Okay.
1: Um, so I, I think it it might sound really simple, but just starting to like follow your town on you know sign up for like the emails from your your town committees and and the town center um the the town i live in you know i receive all their emails and and messages and uh you know we i got one i think it was right after the elections and they were saying oh if you're an independent or if you're a republican we need members to sit on these town committees and one was about um the bike path that goes from new haven all the way up to you know through our town it's like man, that would be a great place for a physical therapist to be involved. Um, so I think you know, just just signing up for those local alerts and, and getting the town newsletter is a great, easy way to, to start to try to access that. Um, and then if there's community events um, that center around exercise and fitness, um, I think that's a really easy place to start. Um, from the chapter level, um, I can speak to Connecticut. We have a I want to volunteer link on our website. Um, and the APTA will be launching um, early in 2019 the the APTA Engage site Um, so you're going to be able to go onto there and it's going to show you every single place that you could get involved whether it's one of your sections whether it's in your state um, anybody who needs help with anything um, will be posted on there so it's going to be a nice central location so rather than you know Having to have one spot where Connecticut does it, and another spot where the orthopedic section does it, um, or you know, other states. Maybe you know, yeah, you live in Massachusetts, um, but you go to school in Connecticut, and you want to see where's where's all the other touch points that you could have. Of hey, I'm going to be home over the holidays. Is there something that the Mass chapter is doing there? You can find out all of those things right there on the uh, on their website. So, um, and you know, I think the the other places. Well, you can always just reach out to your leaders in your area and say, hey, give me something to do. Um, you know, I, I've never gotten an email like that and I didn't have something for them to do or, or something that we could find um, for them to be passionate about um, and to help, whether it's um, just being involved in a one day event like Special Olympics, Fun Fitness um, that happens down at SCSU every June, um, if it's helping to review abstracts for our state conference which, hey, maybe that's a two-hour task um, or it's more long-term commitments like being an advisor to a special interest group or being on a committee.
0: Right. No, those are, those are really awesome points. And I think it's very important, like you said, kind of getting involved in our local level, reaching out to our local politicians and kind of seeing what their stances are on physical therapy-related ideas. And so, you know, taking that information, we're able to make judgments on what we should be advocating for. And I think that's also very important because a lot of advocacy is not just at the national level; it's also, at the state le- it's also at the state level, and also the local level. So I think we need to take those things and put them in our back pocket, and make sure that we're spreading the news to other PTs in the area as well um, to go out and advocate for what they believe in. So I think that's a really, really awesome point. And I think that's very grassroots. We can really start there, and once we start there, we can make our way towards you know the state level, the national level, and we'll be able to develop you know ideas and and essentially the best way how we can further the profession. So I think that's a really awesome, really good take for the audience is really start at the local level um, and, and really push there and then work your way up. So I think that's really good. Awesome. So we have one, other, we have one question um, from Pellegrino. I really like that name. Um, at what point in, do, in your career did you choose to pursue the um, FAA Umpt, um credential and how has, that, how has that impacted your career trajectory?
1: Um, so whenever I was in my, my last year of PT school, um, so university of Pittsburgh, they do year long clinical affiliations. You had to interview, um, to get placed at one of the sites. Um, I was lucky enough to get placed at the UPMC center for sports medicine. Um, so, you know, you're, you're right next door to the Steelers and to the pit Panthers. I mean, it's just amazing, um, clinic. Um, and there were five um, fellows who worked there. Um, I saw them in practice and was like, this is something that I need to do. Um, I will do this. Like, this is a career goal. Um, The only problem was there weren't very many fellowship programs. And um, the only one in the New England area was actually in Boston. So living in Hartford, um, the only choice I had was, well, I, I could try to work my schedule and maybe drive to Boston twice a week for two years if I wanted to try to do it. Um, and that just it what it what I wasn't going to be able to make that happen. Um, I went to my first uh, Summer it was called the annual conference at the time, but basically my first next conference uh, when it was in Boston and I think 2009 um, and heard Josh Cleland and Bill Egan and Scott Burns and Shane Coppenhaver and uh, Paul Mittken speak um, who are all graduates of Regis University's program, which is a distance learning program. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do a fellowship until I found out that, oh, my God, like there's distance modules where I can do this online and then fly for three day weekends, you know, a few times, you know, every quarter um, to do that. Um, so once I found out that that was a possibility, you know, I jumped right on it. Um, so that was about six, seven years into practice um, before I I finally got to that point. Um, The, uh, you know, I I think as far as like how it's helped me in my career, um, you know, we're all looking to become experts. We're all looking to become the best clinician that we can be. Um, And I know a lot of us, we always doubt ourselves and, you know, I just, I don't feel like I'm doing enough for my patients or I feel like I should be able to get every single person better. Um, you know, I'm letting people down if they're, if they're not succeeding and, uh, you know, I think that the fellowship, the, the mentorship that I received during my fellowship program was really what helped me to understand and to be able to kind of look at the big picture for things and, and see that differently. So I think from a patient perspective, it's really helped me from that side of things. And then, um, professionally, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm looked at as the expert in, in an area now, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, to be seven or eight years out of school and then to, to, to have people say, no, like, we want your opinion. Like, how would you do this? Like, well, I usually go to the research first and see what the research is telling me. And then I use my clinical experience with that because I've always had way more research than clinical experience in, you know, your first few years of school. So out of school. So um, I think it's, it's allowed me to be more confident in my skills, um, my ability to treat people and to know that um, I'm doing the best I can for them
0: yeah and they just for the audience like uh you know this keep in mind this is only seven seven or eight years out of school for you right mike
1: um when i did the fellowship oh you did the fellowship okay um so i'm 12 years out now
0: 12 years out now still still fairly recent though so i know i i think it's important the audience to know that things like this can be you know attained in a short time frame right out of school and i know kind of in regards to residency and fellowships kind of just giving a little context uh, context for the audience I know residency; it doesn't narrow your scope of practice, but you can kind of hone in what your area of expertise is. That's what that's what a residency is. While well, a fellowship adds depth to that area of expertise. So, just clarifying it for the audience: being a fellow of, for example, of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Therapy is you add depth to that manual therapy knowledge and you add depth to the orthopedic knowledge um, that you are looking to be an expert in. So, I think that's I think that's really awesome. Definitely.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I'd say. Uh as far as, you know, doing that at seven, eight years out of school, um, there were, there was a few people in my class who went straight from under undergrad, did their DPT program, went right into a residency and then finished the residency and went right into a fellowship program. And they're two years out of school, three years out of school. And I mean, they're running circles around me with seven or eight years experience at this point. And I'm looking at them saying like, man, it took me the last you know, I wasn't even thinking that way five years into my career, like I'm just blown away with your experience of like having done a residency of like how much faster their thought process is um, than somebody who hadn't done it. Um, and that was part of the reason why we pushed to to start a program, uh, orthopedic residency in our company is we wanted to give that kind of training. Um, we, you know, we want to attract and and retain the best therapists we can. And, uh, you know, hey, having a residency and being able to do that for these for our clinicians is, you know is a priority for our company
0: right no definitely that's a really good point you know and, th- and this is kind of just building off of that question a little bit so I know obviously with residency and fellowship you have a mentor kind of you know someone who comes along for the ride with you and really shows you kind of that that area of, of physical therapy that you really want to add depth to your practice in so one individual wants to know uh, has anyone or anyone in the APTA or not in the APTA <clears throat> Who has acted as a mentor to you? Has anyone done that, and if so, what value have they brought you in the mentorship process along the way?
1: Yeah, you know, I was down at uh, at APTA headquarters um, this weekend and uh, was was talking with a few people and said, you know, I was 34 when I took over as president um, of the Connecticut chapter. I I had I did not have the experience, um, but I had a great group of people, um, and it, not just in Connecticut, all over the country, who are willing to help. And uh, you know, Mary Zupkas, who uh, who was the APTA of Massachusetts president at the time, um, you know, would just we every conference or any chance we got, we would sit down and you know have a chat for a half hour of you know just her giving me a little bit of advice here or there, and and uh, you know, kind of sending me an email and every once in a while checking in. Um, Kathy Harris. Um, who was uh, vice president um, for me during my first term, um, and who's the chair of Quinnipiac University's program. Um, you know, she had been a past uh, chapter president in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, there are so many people who who have helped me along the way. Um, you know, I think that's something that everybody needs to know is, yeah, you're never in it alone. Like, your your colleagues all you know all across the country all of the chapter presidents you know they 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 looked out for me they helped me in mean, any way they could um you know we uh you know it's a it's tight knit group so um i've i have had more mentors than i can probably name in the in the hour
0: right definitely yeah. and, and and i know a lot of individuals are kind of saying they're they're unsure whether to just seek one mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of who who will mentor them throughout their whole career, out of all their career choices, or if they should try to develop multiple mentors kind of with different areas of expertise where they can kind of, you know, go go to each individual one based on their expertise. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Would you rather seek out multiple mentors or would you rather, you know, go opt for one who can kind of help you all the way along?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say is, you know, personally and professionally, your goals are going to be different at different times in your life um, and in different times in your career. So, um, you're going to need different people for different, different roles. And, uh, you know, the same way that as a clinician, you know, as, as a student with your CI, you're, you're learning to reflect on how your treatments, um, are changing and, um, trying to adapt the way you're doing things. It's like, can you do that as a, you know, for yourself personally too? Like, man, I really want to get better at, uh, you know, controlling my temper with my colleagues or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there are people you can talk to who can help you and, you know, maybe show you some of their alternative ways that they might handle situations or um, whether it's leadership opportunities, whether it's, you know, does it have to be somebody in physical therapy? Maybe it's just somebody who's a successful business owner and you know, you want to own your own private practice someday. So you're picking the brains of the, you know, the person down the street. Um, You know, I think we always have something to learn from everybody. Um, I think, you know, as far as, you know, having been a mentor um, for residency programs and for fellows um, in training um, for Regis's program, um, it's very easy when it's transactional and it's a set time period. Um, So, you know, for the mentor to know, hey, I need you, you know, can we have a 45-minute conversation on this day Um, because I want to pick your brain on x y and z topic yeah that's a great directed you know I need I need some career advice or you know I've run into an ethical dilemma in my office and I don't know how to handle it um you know those are the things that every clinician goes through you know whether you're you're reaching out to peers in a new professional sig or uh or something else I don't think it always has to be somebody who um is you know a, a a senior person to yourself um you know I uh I, I look to a lot of my younger colleagues um, a lot of times to, to get fresh ideas and and their input on things as well. So it go, definitely goes both ways.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's <clears throat> it definitely is, it definitely does go, go both ways because every, you know, every every individual, every physical therapist, every physical therapist assistant has their own niche. And I think kind of interacting with all those individuals and kind of you know garnering what their knowledge is and for them it being able to help you, it, it's, it's definitely gonna be, it's gonna result in a betterment for you kind of interacting with them and, and picking out what their expertise is and you being able to use that in your own practice. I, I really couldn't agree more with that. That's really good. I like that. I'm actually gonna use that as I go forward here. Um, and I'm sure all the rest of the audience members are as well. That's great. So Cameron wants to know, he says, how do you foresee providing leadership training for traditional students that do not have prior experience? He says the learn by doing mentality has been has been proven to not be effective on its own. Yeah,
1: you know, I think uh, I think some of it is setting. Well, first and foremost, it's clearly setting the expectations. Um, so job responsibilities and duties um, are are that is that that's the the primary focus. Um, you know, how can you expect somebody to to just learn on the job if you don't give them a clear set of expectations of what they're supposed to be accomplishing. Um, and then I think from a standpoint of every chapter doing it a little bit differently, um, at APTA nationally, we do it a little bit differently, um, but there needs to be that onboarding process of talking to a colleague who's already been in the role or you know something along those lines um, in order to kind of help to, to speed that process up um, for students and for clinicians Um, HPA the catalyst um, which is one of the sections of APTA um, has the the lamp program which is a a leadership and management development program Um, they usually do it as a pre-conference at CSM Um, I went through uh, the lamp 101 and 201 over the past two years um, as you know every leader has something that you know whether you are a current leader or you're somebody who wants to do leadership or get involved in leadership there's always places to learn. Um, I went through our company's leadership and management program, um, and then the other thing is, you know, books. I think uh, my, uh, you know, my I have a, a younger brother who's in finance, and you know, he said, oh, you know, yeah, I've read Good to Great or I've read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but he's like, really, I love reading biographies because all of these people who are successful have read all of those books and they took certain things from them and I get to learn from their experiences in that manner as well. So I think whether it's, you know, listening to like a podcast like Tim Ferriss, where he interviews, you know, people about their habits and how they become successful or how, what, what they feel makes them a good leader um, or doing something like the LAMP program or, or anything else. So I, I would love to see more programs like that. It, they're really great.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we just had two individuals in the comments drop, drop the link for the LAMP Leadership Institute and the LAMP program. So if anyone wants to uh, gather any more information on that, you can click right on the link and it'll take you right to it. So I think that's really good. And I think that's it's also kind of touching on what you said. It's also very important for new grads when they come out of school to also, you know, talk to talk to their clinic, you know, talk to, the, talk to their employer. We shouldn't also always just go to our association because our employer can also be very useful to us. I know a lot of employers, they provide benefits to you um, for professional involvement and things like that, professional engagement. So I think also having them to fall back on and them to engage with is another way for you to kind of get jump started into leadership and participation um, within the APTA and just our profession in general. So I think that's a really good point. Also, not just focusing on the APTA in, in general, but also, you know, our, the clinic, our, our workplace and the individuals that are, that are in our workplace also rely on them. Really good point. And this is building off of that as well. Yeah. So you said, you mentioned off of biographies. Um, do you have any specific suggestive readings to, that you've read before that we can use to grow our leadership skills?
1: Um, so the book that I always point people to is, that I had already mentioned was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, more than a biography, um, just because that's kind of like, it's been around for 30 years. It's, um, I think every time I go to any kind of leadership talk, um, you will hear people bring tidbits of that out in their presentations. I'm like, all right, man, I just, I got to read this book. And, uh, you know, I think it, it really kind of fine tunes some things for me. And I, th- I think it depends on, you know, what kind of uh, learner you are, um, whether you, you know, do you like, you know, if you're not a person who likes to read nonfiction, um, I think that's going to be a tougher sell for some people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there are so many amazing, uh, you know, the, just reading about any successful person's life um, you're going to pick something up from it so
0: definitely, and it doesn't even need to be physical therapy related. Yeah. I think I'm sure you would yeah. agree right yeah you can you could find various types of experiences, resources just from individuals you know going through their own, going through their own individual experiences again could be autobiographies, things like that. They definitely do not have to be physical therapy related in order to gather something from it. so I think that's really good and just for the audience, we're about halfway through. So, if you want to drop into the comments, kind of give us, tell us a little bit about what you've learned so far and what you're looking to do kind of once you come out of school. What's something that interests you and how are you going to use that along the way? So, yeah, plug that right into the comments for that. We'd love to take a look at that. That's great. I love that. So, here's a really good question, actually. Uh, this is from Amelia. Um, very, this is very specific for the night. So, how do you personally define leadership? Does it have to be a title, a large commitment, et cetera, et cetera? Students are very busy, so how can they take up these leadership opportunities?
1: Um, every person is a leader, whether you realize it or not. Um, you're you're a leader to your patients. You're a leader whether it's with your colleagues, um, whether it's with your classmates. Like everybody has that person that they look to. So leaders don't have titles. Um, some of them do, but it it really, it comes down to um, just, you know, being able to provide value um, and to try to work towards, towards something that you care about. So, um, you know, I think some of the people that do the most behind the scenes in our state chapter probably have no title and and no role um, that's set and defined, but they say, you know, hey, I'm passionate about, you know, I really want to make sure that, you know, physical therapists are able to um clear clear athletes to return to play from concussion. you know, do I need a title as the state you know chair of policy and payment or anything like that to be able to go and write you know meet with my my legislator and tell him of how I'm qualified, how all physical therapists are qualified, and get him to see um, why we should be able to do this? You know, I don't need a title for anything like that, and I think uh, I, I think a lot of times, especially. Um, when I, when I, you know, being a younger clinician, a lot of times we feel like, man, that that title, those extra letters after our name, like we need that because they look at us and they say, man, like this kid's barely old enough to, like I got T-shirts older than this kid. Like how's he gonna <laughs> fix me if, uh, you know, I, he he's that young. Like how could he have any of this knowledge or what can he provide to this group? And then, uh, you know, you're you can really surprise people. So I think it's. I think it's a thing of being younger you just you always feel like you have that chip on your shoulder that you need something extra you need that title it's like get in there manage you know everybody's heard the term managing up um, you know that it, it it can happen from day one in your career as a student and as a as a new professional
0: yeah definitely and I think a lot of the leaders are the ones that are pulling the strings behind the scenes you know they're operating behind the scenes they're not as much in the public eye and I, I know that are a lot of leaders and there, who aren't as recognized as the ones, obviously, who have their, you know, all their, the pictures and everything in the title. So I think that's also very important for our viewers to know is that you don't need a title and you don't need a picture or anything to be a leader because everyone's a, le- a leader in, the, in their, you know, their realm, whatever their expertise is, whatever their niche is, um, they're making that leadership. So I think that's really good. Awesome. So let's see. So. We know, so yeah, give, it, give the audience a little bit of a plug on this. So Mike did a couple panels. So he did that at Next and NSC. Um, mm-hmm. And he did them on student leadership and kind of how young clinicians, young students can use their leadership skills to, you know, jumpstart their profession. So one student wants to know, is there a common theme that you've, you've found from students at the panels at Next and NSC? Um, mm-hmm. Have you found any common themes that they've been bringing up? Any common questions that they've been asking.
1: I I think a lot of times it's kind of the, what do you do when you don't get, when you run and you don't get elected? Or, you know, how do you, you know, did did you, you know, all right, you're in this position of uh, being a president or being a a delegate or, you know, whatever that role is, how did, like, did you fail, right? And uh, and how did you deal with that? And I think uh, a lot of times that's the toughest, you know, thing it's, yeah, you, you see the person who, who is in that leadership position and you think, oh man, like they must've just, man, they've, how could they have done all this stuff? They must just steamroll through it. And uh, I think to realize that everybody fails, um, you know, every, every failure is an opportunity to learn something new um, and you can take something away from that. That's going to make you a better, well, more well-rounded person. So um, you know, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, and don't be afraid to, you know, step up. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we feel like because we're young in, um, experience years that we don't have anything to offer. Um, you know, Kyle and I were talking before we, we, uh, went live today and like, you realize that the people who are in leadership at APTA right now, like the decisions that they're making are going to affect your career. Not really theirs. They're gonna be retired by by the time a lot of this stuff matters, right? And and when it really takes effect. So these decisions they're making now that are gonna affect things 10, 15, 20 years from now are they should matter to you because it's gonna affect your career a lot more than it's gonna affect theirs. So wouldn't you rather be in the driver's seat making those decisions that are gonna affect the next 30 years of your life? Um, and honestly, we need your input because those are those are the kind of things that matter. So you know, I'd much rather have somebody with with uh you know five years of experience making that decision and sitting at that table giving the opinion um and the person who's going to retire in two years and yes they have that um that historical knowledge um, but if we don't have a balance between the two um w- you know we need to see where we've been and but also well to look forward to where we're going
0: right exactly and I, and I think that's kind of you know where we need to like you said we need to get involved and that was very well put by you that the decisions that are being made, you know, at the, comp- the component level, state level, the national level, everything's being made for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years in advance. And so those decisions are primarily going to be affecting us. So I think it really falls on to us to really, you know, get involved in the matter and try to figure out what our, what our professional organization is putting out and, and, you know, try to immerse yourself in that knowledge and then act on it, you know, advocate for it. And, and really put it out there, use it in your own words. So I think that's also very, very important for us as you know, young clinicians to know as we continue into our journey into you know, being a clinician, being a leader. I think it's very well put, that's really good. So James says, so we got a few more questions. So James says, I consider myself a leader. Um, he never wants to stop growing and learning in his ability to lead. So how does he continue to evaluate his leadership skills?
1: I, I would say the first and foremost is, have you talked to anybody about what they feel your strengths and weaknesses are, or what do you feel your strengths and weaknesses are? Um, you know, I think there, there are tools and there are, um, you know, there are assessment forms, you know, like kind of reflection forms that you can use to, uh, to really look at that. Um, that's something that, uh, you know, the APTA nominating committee, I think does a really good job yeah. of. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for some of the uh you know persons who are considering running for positions it's like well, gee, what am I good at? where do I think i my um my efforts are best served like where 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 can I make the biggest contribution um to the profession and uh yeah, if you're not looking kinda at what do I do well and what do I not do well um you know it it's hey it's just like that you know do you do you do that with your patients do you do that with your con ed for uh you know, for spine content or dry needling or you know, adding blood flow restriction therapy, you know, whatever it is that you're you're looking to uh, to add into your practice, um, you know, and I think is maybe reaching out to the people who you feel do something strongly um, that uh, that you don't feel you do well. I know for for me, you know, I I always have felt that I've been um, I am terrible at running a, a meeting, man, like. That is just that is not a skill that I ever learned when I was you know a, a younger person. I just was never good at keeping people on task like I always wanted everybody to feel like they could say whatever they needed to. We always get sidetracked. It was just well, how do you get better at that? Well, I talk to people who are good at it i see I see how they do it, and I try to incorporate the skills and and you know it's it's reaching out to those mentors and uh and and trying to uh learn from learn from them so
0: definitely yeah you t- you can take the advice that the the mentors give you take mm. that advice absorb it give yourself some time to reflect on it and then evaluate kind of evaluate your performance you know whether it was it was running a meeting for example and you received feedback on that it kind of you know after you've had some time to absorb that information you kind of you can reflect on that information and kind of figure out you know inside of you how you can better fulfill your role in that particular position so I think that's one other thing that we shouldn't, you know, disregard is self-evaluation is also a very effective form of evaluation. And you need to give yourself some time to reflect on that. And self-evaluation also comes from outside as well. It can come from external, it can come from external resources. So like you like you said, individuals giving you that feedback can, can help you hone in on that self-evaluation. So I think that's really good. Really good point.
1: Yeah. Even in our association, every year in December, we do a, a board self-assessment. Like, how are we doing? What are we doing well? What do we need to improve upon? Um, And, you know, I I think the exciting thing a lot of times is year to year, um, those questions aren't getting the same answers. Because if they're getting the same answers, we haven't been addressing this well. So, um, you know, I think three or four years ago it was, yeah, board orientation and onboarding was something, we need to do a better job at that. Well, we are. And guess what? Nobody, you know, everybody said, man, this is one of the things we're doing really well now. All right great let's keep moving down the line what's the next thing we need to start achieving and and being better at so um yeah i think you know that is a continual process of growth for everybody there's a lot of different places to go with that
0: definitely definitely it's a very 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 good point it really is a continual process of growth and that's one way that we keep improving as an individual because if we keep giving ourselves the same feedback then we're never going to improve off of that feedback you know because it's the same type of thing we're just going to keep doing the same type of thing so i think it's really really important for us as young clinicians, to take all these different types of feedback and use it. So I think that's awesome. Okay, so, Kate wants to know, do you have any thoughts on balancing leadership as a fresh PT versus learning the craft as a fresh PT? So kind of just getting integrated into being a new clinician and balancing kind of leadership and obtaining leadership roles and things like that.
1: I I think they can, they can help you on both sides, right? So you can use your, uh, you know, the trying to become a better leader is going to help you to be able to engage and communicate with your patients better. Um, so I think the the skills are, are transferable between the two. So I would, uh, I'd suggest probably going with both of them. But um, I think there's always a, a kind of the, well, do you focus on your, uh, you know i this is a weakness of mine. should I focus on that and try to get better at it or should I just say this is a weakness and but this is a strength I should get even better at at my strengths and stop focusing on the weaknesses all the time um, and you can kind of go a little bit of both ways with that um, but uh you know I would say try to do a little bit of both and I think I think that's something where the association really does a great job of providing that right if you're uh if you're a chair of the orthopedic sig and you're an outpatient orthopedics, not only are you bettering your skills, but then you're also participating in leadership. So um, there's always places where you can kind of put both to work.
0: Right. It gets that it gets that overlap, just like you said. And I know we we can take on different roles in our profession. And, you know, the clinic that we work in that uh, that have both of those roles. So, for example, like we were talking just being a clinic director. Again, it's not involved necessarily within the APTA but it's a, it's a leadership realm. It's a leader. It's a leadership position. And you're also kind of learning that craft. Like you said, personally, you were, you were a clinic director a couple years out of school, right?
1: Um, I was like a year and a half out of school whenever I became a clinic director for the first time. So.
0: Right. And you were, you were able to kind of balance that a little bit and then you kind of found a little bit of a different calling and you kind of took that opportunity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, over the clinic director role. But again, other individuals will have different experiences with that. So I think it's really good to, to know that, you know, professional involvement, balancing the new craft, and also leadership realm doesn't need to be in the APTA specifically. That can also be in our clinic is, you know, the same building that we work in every day. So I think also really good to know. Good stuff, good stuff. So, and this is, this is all kind of coming in together, because again, more people are getting involved early on in their careers, being an early professional. So as an early professional, how, would you, how are you able to build the confidence to be the person Um, to communicate and and lead effectively as a young professional? How do you build that confidence?
1: Um, Building the confidence? Well, I I think some of it is trying to surround yourself with people who you know we're going to support and care about you. Um, You know, I I think that the environment that you're in is what creates a lot of that confidence, right? And, uh, you know, I think hopefully, um, you know, in in Connecticut especially, we've had at least one, if not Two to three new professionals on our board um, at all times, um, and whether they're two or three years out of school or there's, you know, two people who are thirty-five years of experience, um, they all come to the table realizing that they have different experiences in their life and in their careers, and that diversity provides value to our group. So, um, you know, I think you know, confidence is a tough thing, and it's. Um, you know, I, I always heard was, uh, you know, you need to over prepare, And I think, um, man, you know, the hours that I used, you know, hey, I'm terrible at running a meeting. The hours I used to spend pouring over that agenda to try to figure out how I could make this effective to make sure that I prepared so much that even though I wasn't confident, I was so well prepared that I knew nobody knew as much about all of this stuff or spent as much time as I had on that. Um, that that's what gives you that confidence so um, I'd say is yeah you work really hard you over prepare and um, and that's at least uh, how I how I took it
0: definitely definitely yeah and I think uh, it's it's uh, yeah it's it's super important you know kind of, kind of immerse ourselves in like you said kind of different individuals and being able to reflect on those individuals and the, the feedback they they're giving us on how to better ourselves I think that's it's really important definitely really important So I think we have time for two more questions and then we'll kind of we'll kind of do our wrap-up and our ending announcements. Mm -hmm. So and this is speaking uh, specifically for the Connecticut chapter. So how did you find yourself coming into the role of that kind of was there kind of a set path that that you came to that or is it did did the position just kind of stumble upon you essentially?
1: Um, I was an adjunct at Sacred Heart University. Um, I was just starting as an adjunct um, and the program chair Mike Emery was the outgoing president, and he was on the nominating committee. Um, you know, I was a younger clinician. He's like, you know, you should really look at running for board of directors. And uh, like me, you know, I, I don't have anything to offer. I'm I'm too inexperienced. You know, he's like, no, like you should really think about running for this. And uh, so I thought about it, and I ran. And after one term on the board, um, they, the uh, you know, for the next election cycle. Um, ran for vice president um, and then um, one year after so I was one year into a two-year term as vice president um, the person who was supposed to um, become elected as president um, was unable to to take office um, so I kind of stepped into the role from that standpoint and then uh, ran for reelection election um, two years later um, in the middle they changed the bylaws to a two-year term to a three-year term so technically I'm at finishing year four starting year five um, so yeah it's a little bit of you know I, I've i I always thought that I would be president someday um, but didn't think that I had the skills or the tools needed to to do it this early in my career um, I think some of that goes back to confidence and that experience right we all think that we we need more of it um, but uh, when you realize that you, you have a lot of those skills and you have the right people to support you and help you, um, it makes the job a lot easier.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes the job a lot easier. I think that's a really good point that you bring up, that you, know, you might not, you, you, think you're, you think yourself, you could see yourself becoming president, but you, you think the confidence isn't, isn't there. And I think it's really important to know as young clinicians, young um, still students, that you can still develop that confidence. You kind of develop it all throughout physical therapy school, all throughout physical therapy assistant school. And as you kind of build that confidence, you develop that skill set in, in the fashion that you want to use it, whether it's being involved at the chapter level, the national level, or at the local level. You can kind of hone in that you know, area of expertise in order to better yourself in those roles. So I think that's that's a really good takeaway for the audience to, to use that in um, and, and how they're going forward with their careers. So I think that's really good. Yes, yeah, so um, let's see. We have one more question from Cameron. Um, he says, how would you recommend students stay informed, kind of as they progress throughout their careers? How do they stay informed? How do they keep up to date?
1: Well, I think the you know the first way is, um, you know, whether it's newsletters or social media, um, you know, making sure you know things like the APTA Student Assembly Pulse, um, you know, signing up, you know, I I would say is like. Sign up for every single special interest group that you think that you have any interest in, because you never know when that's going to help you with something. Um, when I got, whenever I was my my first year out of school, my first CSM that I went to after graduating, um, I I had a my mentor was speaking on hip and labral tears, um, were for the new the uh, the performing arts special interest group of the orthopedic section. Well, I worked at the Sports Medicine Center. We saw a lot of the Pittsburgh Ballet Theater there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm, I was never a dancer. I didn't take ballet, but like, I love treating um, performing artists, and I've been a member of the special interest group ever since. They send these amazing, you know, every month they send out. Uh, you know, they'll talk about a specific topic, and they'll send you um, all the abstracts that they they search on this and. You know, I remember getting one that was, it was a whole abstracts about postregonum for the ankle, um, poster ankle impingement. Yep. And not only did I read that and was like, wow, this is something I never knew about. I didn't learn this in school. And then three days later in the clinic, I get a patient that has that on the script. It's like, yeah, I went to two other places. They have no idea what this is. Um, can you treat it? And I was like, not only can I treat it, I know all the best evidence for it. We're going to get you back to dancing. And she did fantastic. So you know, you never know where that that's going to come from. So, um, you know, sign up for every single one of the, the, the special interest groups that you think pique your interest, whether it's foot and ankle or performing arts or, um, you know, animal rehab or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, try to just make sure you're keeping yourself engaged. Um, and I know, you know, as, as far as like state chapters, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Um, You'd be surprised how many people post all of these, you know, great articles that they're reading on Twitter. Um, It's a really easy place to do that. And if you're in one state, don't be afraid to follow a lot of other states, too. Um, You know, you'd be surprised how many times I'll find out about a event that's happening in New York City. It's like, you know, it's 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 less than a two hour drive. I mean, if there's a great course or they're having a great conference, I'm going to go to and attend events like that. So um, you got to make sure you're keeping a a wide scope for all of that stuff.
0: Definitely. You know, and I think, you know, this, this, and for the audience, you know, this, the special interest groups you can find them at the state, the state level. So at your chapter level. So I think someone can drop in the link below, but the APTA has kind of just a list of all the chapters um, that are, that are, you know, for all the States across America. So you can find all the SIG information there. And I think, like you said, it's also very important that, things may interest you across state lines. So don't be afraid to, you know, go to a different state's conference. Like I know I'm from Massachusetts and I'm 10 minutes from the Rhode Island border, but the Rhode Island PTA may have a, their national conference and some of their courses that they may have there may interest me. So I think we mm-hmm. should we should, we should should be cognizant of that and we should put ourselves out there and, you know, join those things and inquire about how they're running their organization as, compo- as opposed to the Massachusetts organization. And we it, it can take all, you know, the what they're doing, we can take it and reflect on it and use it in our careers as well. So I think that's all, that's, that's all very good. And I know we need to take that definitely as students and young career professionals, so definitely. Awesome, so yeah, just some ending announcements. So Mike, thank you so much for, for taking your time tonight to come onto the Exchange SA chat. It was a great pleasure to have you, um, you're always welcome. Um, so could you share like your, your contact information? So I know you have a Twitter account, right? So if anyone wants to follow you on Twitter,
1: yeah, it's GANs underscore DPT.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, you can, you can shoot them a follow, and um, you can kind of see out with the Connecticut, and you can also follow the Connecticut chapter and see what the Connecticut chapter is putting out as well. And so, yeah, for all the individuals who, who are on the chat tonight, if you're still in the chat, um, put in the comments. So you can even we'll use quotations, I'm going to blank, kind of learning from what you took away from the chat. And also just uh, kind of some general announcements for, for the student assembly. So mark your calendars for the next Exchange SA chat. This is fresh off the press. So it's Sunday, January 20th, so three days before CSM at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's gonna be with Brooke Janicki. She's a physical therapist and she's the orthopedic residency co-director at Evidence in Motion. So she's gonna give us a little bit more of an inside look at residencies and kind of what they mean and should you opt for one or should you not opt for one? And also just some just more general announcements. APTA CSM, someone can drop the link below about that. Um, January 23rd, January 26th, the Student Assembly is looking forward to seeing everyone there. Um, I'm sure Mike is going as well. We're all we're all super excited to see everyone there. Um, and also Conference Connections. So um, I think James Newman can drop the, drop the link in there uh, below for Conference Connections. If you're looking to meet students from across the United States and you're looking to link up with them at CSM and have a coffee, have a drink, you can definitely meet up with them, sign up for Conference Connections and the nominated committee would be happy to place you with them. And also for any individuals who are looking to submit to the Pulse, um, we're always looking for contributors. You know, any topic that you want, you could submit um, a blog for that and you could submit it to pulse at APTA.org. And we'd be happy to take a look at those and get in contact with you. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for everyone for for coming on. We'll see um, you on January 20th for, for the next Exchange essay. And then you know we'll also see it CSM. So we're all looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks you, Mike.